Hey, every year we, uh, we, we always have a heart to be transparent in, in our finances, and, and every year we do provide uh, the body, um, normally in the beginning of July, but we kind of postponed a little bit so that we could kind of do this as, uh, as when everyone is back off a of summer vacation, but we wanted to at least give you an idea uh, where we landed as a church body financially, so I'm going to spend a few minutes um, talking about that, so if we could bring up the first slide. Um, so... What I want to do is show you, and you guys have probably seen this um, before, but I wanted to give you an idea of the budget that was approved by the elders um, last year for 2011 and 2012. Our fiscal year is July 1st through June 31st, 30th, and so um, it's not a calendar year, but it's a fiscal year that, um, that we operate on. And so what you'll see, the first column is the total budgeted income. That's the income that we projected would come in based on uh, the history of the church, where the current levels of giving are at. And you can see in there that um, uh, we've kind of broke it down into different uh, uh, ministries. So we have community, uh, student, children's, uh, worship, facilities, admin. And that gives you an idea of the money that uh, comes into Cornerstone and then also the expenses that we have budgeted to say, this is what it's going to take to kind of operate the church. And that includes salaries, uh, uh, vehicles. I mean, anything that operates uh, the church um, is in that expense budget. And then you'll see in the, the bottom portion, in the green area, that is our what we call our outgoing. And that outgoing is, is all the dollars that are not maintained or retained here inside Cornerstone, but they're actually dollars that go out um, to various ministries. And so you'll see the global budget is in there. We have Spanish ministries. We have benevolence, media. Um, and then also one of our largest uh, contributors is Eternity Bible College. So you'll see they have a significant amount of money that goes on an expense there. But you'll see that, you know, our total budget that the elders approved was about three point, just shy of $3.4 million. What we expected to spend uh, operating was 3.4. So it's about 158000 in the Roughly the difference in there. So you go to the next slide. What I want to do is also show you now um, we have our budgeted income, and then we have the actual income that comes in. And so you can see that we did have a reduction, pretty substantial reduction in income that came in. And, and uh, pretty much every week we were shy between 20, about $20,000 a week, shy of what we budgeted. And so you'll see that $3.4 million, what we actually, uh, the actual income that came in was just shy of $3 million. So we had a shortfalling um, of about $453,000 um, of what, was, what came in versus what was budgeted. And you can see those various si- areas on the far right that there are some negative numbers and there also are also some positive numbers. So it kind of balanced itself out a little bit um, and through those different categories. So let's go to the next slide. I want to show you the actual um, expenses that we wound up having um, as well. And so you can see the budget expense versus the actual expense. Um, you'll see $3.4 million is what we budgeted. We actually spent a th- little over $3 million. And um, what happens when we start seeing this reduction of the weekly giving is that we, we kind of put a challenge out to the staff. We reduce our spending um, we've also done some significant things where we've gone out and we've renegotiated like copier leases and telephone uh, bills and, and different things to kind of reduce that money. So you can see it at, um, on the far right side, you'll see the difference. And, and there's, a, there's a positive number, but what that means is that's the, the, what we spent less than the budget. Um, so we've kind of reduced that, what we were spending by about $322,000. So that gives you kind of an idea based on each one of the ministries where we're at with that. So at the end, let's go to the next slide. That kind of shows you roughly, gives you a summary of, of where we're at, income versus expenses. And so at the end, with the reductions that we did internally, um, we were able to kind of reduce that 500000 down to about 131000 So that's what we were shy and off mark for the budget this last year. And so I want to... God is so faithful. He, every week we'd be in the elder meetings and we would see the, the contributions come in and, and he just continually showed us over and over again how faithful he was. And, and one of the positive things out of this, as Todd mentioned a few weeks ago or a month or so ago, is that we actually sold the property. And that was such a blessing because each month we had an interest payment that we had to pay on a monthly basis. And um, with the sale of the property, we were able to um, 
um, basically pay off all the debt. Now, that was the debt for the, if everyone remembers, the Jack Shoes building, the parking lot, the, the, the residual uh, money that was on the loan to build this facility, and also the property out there. But what we wound up doing is we actually had to um, pull about $215,000 out of reserves in order to pay off that loan. We could have taken a loan out for $215,000. We thought, well, look, we have some money in reserves. Let's go into this next year debt-free. So that's an amazing thing that God has done to, to, to be in the to totally debt-free from a, from a uh, building perspective and a property perspective. Um, God has so blessed Cornerstone for that. So we have to be so thankful for that. Um, that amazing? He's such a great God. Let's take the slides down. Um, so, you know, as Jared said, these numbers are just resources that God has entrusted to us to accomplish his work. Not our work, but his work. And we want to brag on God always about what he does um, um, with us and how he's enabled us to do what we've done this last year. So even in the, if you look at those dollars and those numbers in the ministries, it's just the, the money that's gone out on the outgoing for, um, for, for student trips to the, for the high schools, for the junior highs, and just the, the benevolence that goes on. And we're going to talk... When I come back up a little bit later, we're going to talk about what God does um, inside these walls and what God does outside the walls. So, um, so to start praising him, to start showing what he has done for us, if you guys just turn your attention to the screen, we're going to go ahead and show you a short video. Some of the things I love about Cornerstone is, is uh, Sunday morning when I'm, I'm with the family. You know, you think about the faces that you see and the history uh, of the relationships. Uh, just year after year of people growing. And, and really the Sunday is a beautiful thing in the fact that and we get to celebrate together. We get to worship, uh, baptisms, uh, learning the Word of God together collectively. And we fellowship to some extent. We preach the Word of God. And, and yet I... I think about what happens through the rest of the week, and that room is, is empty. Those people aren't in that room. And, and, and really, the ministry is outside of the walls of this building. You won't be able to see that in a Sunday service. And as a matter of fact, in a the, in the Sunday service, you see the people here, and the rest of the week, this building is empty. You guys are out in the various places where God has put you, and you're not only influencing people with the gospel, but you're making a huge impact. Uh, on a Sunday service, you cannot really, really contemplate uh, the profound way in which God is working with people's lives. It's just amazing. You've had a heart for the gospel. Many of you, you've understood new ways of God's grace in your life and the way in which He has brought salvation. And you've thought more about it this year. You've thought more about what a difference it has made in your life. And in fact, it's driven you to share that with others. We had a young man named Brian who was admitted to the hospital one evening with a virus and so they were trying to figure out why it was so aggressive and after a couple of days they realized this was uh, no ordinary virus in fact it was attacking his heart and it had attacked his heart in a couple of days reducing uh, the, his uh, heart output to less than 20 percent and so they realized real quick that he would need a heart transplant and as he entered into the transplant list you know that's not an easy thing and the whole time you many of you were praying on behalf of Brian and his family and we were just begging God for a miracle and within just days uh, uh, a heart comes in and it's, uh, that new heart is put into Brian uh, he makes an incredible recovery and uh, he's probably even out there this morning with his mom and dad enjoying the service and just celebrating the life that God's given them. A couple came to me and said, you know what, we wanted to dedicate our baby 
Uh, and as soon as I begin to ask questions, I find out that they were living together, but they were not married. And then uh, we begin to communicate to them uh, what the word says. And uh, they got married. And uh, now they are serving in church and they repent. They came to Christ, got married, and uh, I baptized them. And now they are serving with us. And we, uh, after that, we dedicated the babies. You, know, you even look at some of our, our people that we've sent out to the mission field. Not only is it a, an equipping, but it's making sure there's a whole team around them and a body of people that are going to love them through that process. And it's allowing them to understand that full picture as they go, uh, even the most recent, being the little fields, to the field. They're, they're not worried about their friends or who's going with them or, or really what it's going to look like for the kids or the sharers in the past or, or the fennels. Uh, uh, really, all of them, you look at that and go, there's a lot of equipment and sending that's happened. That's just in the last year. Many of our baptisms, they've been you baptizing your workmates. They've been you baptizing your neighbors. They've been you baptizing the kids that, uh, on your your own children's soccer teams. and. They, they've been the parents of those kids. I think through the foster families that we have at Cornerstone, uh, 35, you know, somewhere in that number, uh, 30, 35 plus families at Cornerstone that are involved in foster care. How do you beat that? You know, as, as all you know, uh, I've got a heart to see really the, the needy and the kids that are not able to fight for themselves to be cared for. and. Uh, what a beautiful picture, and that's a that's a 24/7 responsibility that those families take on. I, I think one of the beauties also about uh, the Latino congregation that we have here at Cornerstone is the ethnicity that we have. We have about 10 different nationalities from all over Latin America doing ministry together, worshiping together. I mean, it's just. The gospel looks so beautiful. Christ looks so beautiful with that diversity and how the Holy Spirit is moving in people's lives, sharing the gospel. I mean, worshiping together. It's just amazing how God is using and the ethnicity is not preventing us from uh, communicating the gospel. As a matter of fact, it's, it's helping us to communicate a more accurate gospel because it's God is speaking through the diversity. I look at the work that God is doing through His people all across Simi, even outside of Simi, and I realize that God is doing great things, that, that I actually, as an as a elder and a pastor at Cornerstone, get to partner with faithful people desiring to honor God and how they live and carry out His mission. And it doesn't, uh, it doesn't bother me that the room's empty because ministry is happening, and that's what I love about being a part of Cornerstone. Okay, do me a favor. Let's not lose the reality that we're bragging about what God has been accomplishing. Okay, as we go through these videos and as we share, we're going to try and stay away of numbers uh, so that you're not fixed on numbers, but you're really fixed on celebrating what God has done. I had the privilege of uh, being with many of you during the week as you guys just live your lives out there. And that was a little bit about what we were talking about, how what you learn here on Sunday morning, you, it equips you and it allows you to go out into the community and make a difference where God has placed you. But also during the week, we have the privilege of, of investing here and equipping um, various uh, age groups of our church and various uh, affinity groups. And so I have a privilege of uh, being an elder who oversees some of those. And I'm just going to give you a snapshot of what goes on here not in this room, but uh, around this campus on a given week. Many of you participate in that. In fact, as I run through the children's and, and student ministry things real quick, one of the things that sticks out just um, above all the other things is there's over 350 of you guys volunteer every week throughout our ministries. 350. We need about 50 more. <laughs> um, last year in, in our children's ministry, we, 
Um, we had Awana throughout the year. We had over 100 uh, children in our Awana program that meets on Wednesday night. We, we brought back Vacation Bible School, our kids' camp for the week, the last week in June, and we saw almost 400 children participate in that. Over 150 volunteers were also a part of that. Um, we saw nine uh, children up to fourth grade be baptized throughout the year. Um, this morning, while we're in here, uh, our children are over there from zero to fourth grade. Um, it's pretty incredible. If you're a parent, you know what your child comes home with every Sunday. It's pretty incredible what they're learning. They're learning that the Word of God, the main character in the Word of God, is God Himself. And all of the stories in the Bible, all the different characters, they're secondary unto what the main character, who the main character is, and that's God. And so for us to have a children's ministry that is already beginning to invest the Word of God into our children. It's pretty amazing. And even in the nursery, we're praying over those babies right now. There's a, uh, prayers that we pray each week as those babies come into the nursery. So for all those who are part of the children's ministry through fourth grade, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your volunteer uh, commitment throughout the year. Uh, our children not only need it, but they so enjoy you investing in them. And we have our student ministries, our ascent ministries, our fifth and sixth grade. There's uh, about a dozen volunteers that help run that ministry. Uh, they did a, a father-son and mother-daughter summer camp this year, and they uh, meet every week, every Wednesday night over in Jack Shoes, anywhere from probably 40 to 65 uh, fifth and sixth graders. Um, very cool ministry. It's that transitional ministry that... Uh, a sixth grader going into seventh grade, he, he has, a, he especially, girls are way more mature than boys, so he, <laughs> he has that time to mature a little bit longer before he enters into uh, seventh grade. And then we have Impact, our junior high, that's our seventh and eighth grade ministry. Jared Clark gives direction over that, and he's had two summer camps this year, winter and summer. Uh, they, may, they meet on Wednesday nights, they also meet Sunday mornings. While we're in here, a lot of you you have that age uh, child, you know, they go out after the music and uh, they participate in Sunday school uh, and Bible learning and some fellowship on Sundays. Uh, our rock, that's our high school ministry. They took over 100 students to their summer camp uh, this summer. Uh, through these uh, two ministries, we baptized over 30 students this year. Amen. <laughs> Uh, they also meet on Wednesday nights. They meet over in um, rooms 11 and 12, meet at 6.30 on Wednesday nights. So if you have high schoolers, uh, and that ministry is really growing, and not only in the number of volunteers, and, and we have so many great coaches that participate in that ministry. If you have a high schooler and they're not involved in our ministry, just a small group, um, Ministry of the Rock is incredible. My daughter's one of them, and she invests in about eight girls a week, and it's just, it's an incredible uh, gift for us who have high schoolers to have uh, small group leaders that are in their life on a weekly basis. Uh, we have a ministry for college-age students. Um, they just returned last week from Lake Hume. Many of you prayed for them as they were going on the retreat. Uh, they meet on Sunday nights at 7.30 uh, over in Jack Shoes, or the NPR South is what we're calling it now. Um, we also have uh, singles ministry. Um, we have Abide, which is above college age, up to uh, the mid-30s. They meet first and third Fridays of every month, and um, Daniel and Kevin give leadership to that. You can find out more information on the website. All of these, you can go to the website and find more information. Abound is our older, uh, excuse me, our more mature <laughs> singles. Uh, that's mid-30s and up. Um, not up too high, but up. Um, and uh, they meet every Wednesday night, and uh, Mark Rainier is giving uh, leadership over that, and but in the midst of me just throwing details at you, and I 
I don't want to leave out the women's ministry because they would remind me of that. Um, but joy uh, is part of our women's ministry. Uh, bi-monthly on Wednesdays, joy has started back up. And in fact, this Wednesday, they'll be meeting here uh, in the NPR. And so they also do a monthly nighttime joy. Joy is simply Jesus, older, younger. And it's an opportunity for women to connect. It's an additional connecting point for us. If you're visiting or if you've been coming and you're looking, you're, you're uh, a woman that happens not to be working during the day, uh, you can come and connect with other women through relationships. They do Bible teaching. They have workshops. And then they also do a monthly uh, gathering. And that's coming up. Uh, in fact, this week as well, you can see that in the bulletin. And uh, it's just a connecting point for you. As I uh, close out, I just, I, I know I threw a lot of stuff at you, and, uh, you know, we get questions all the time. We have this going on, we have that going on. If you think it might be going on, it's probably going on. So just ask somebody. And, um, but so many of our volunteers, you guys have seen life change in those that you've invested in. These baptism waters have moved almost every week. To the glory of God. The gospel, I've been in churches where, you know, baptism waters don't move that much. And God, in his grace and his love for his people, he's drawing them to himself. He's given us the privilege to be a part of watching them surrender their life to Christ, baptizing them, and helping them grow in their faith. And it's exciting. And you guys play such a vital role in that. And so thank you. Thank you for that. And as I, uh, amen. And uh, as I kind of give up the mic to Mike, um, he's going to transition back to some additional ministries that uh, we do on a given week. All right. All right. We, uh, you know, it's amazing you think about, uh, the resources that God has given a cornerstone. If you guys caught it on the slide, one of the slides I showed, 28% of what comes in goes right back out. And that is amazing. Most, most churches, um, we get a lot of calls from, gosh, how do you guys do that? How do you, we're lucky to give 1%. We're lucky to give anything. And uh, God, we always say God has blessed us so much to just have a heart to go out there and, and, and be part of our community, part of the world. And uh, that becomes our priority. And so we're so thankful that what God has done for us and through us. So, you know, we're, we as a church don't exist just to be a blessing to ourselves, um, but to be a light to our community. And, and we do that a lot by the way we use our facilities. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things outside of just the ministries that go on here at Cornerstone that happen outside of these walls. And uh, uh, one of the things is funerals. We do, we have a funeral ministry that we perform between 25 and 30 funerals a year. And that is um, not only our body, people that have passed away inside of our body, but majority of that is, is to people that that don't have a church home. They're not believers. They're just people that all of a sudden have lost a family member. And it's a great opportunity for us to walk alongside of them, to share the gospel. Because specifically when we do a funeral, we always say the gospel has to be shared. Otherwise, we don't do the funeral. So we have some families that will come and they don't want the, the word spoken. And we, we ask them to go someplace else or we, or we help them find someplace else to go. And then we have many other that are very open. And we, it gives us a great opportunity to come up and, and walk alongside of them. Um, our benevolence program, we, uh, our food bank every Monday morning feeds about 75 families. And, uh, that is an amazing ministry where people are having hard times and they can come pick up groceries. Uh, we provide them, uh, food gets donated, um, from some of the supermarkets that we have a relationship with. And, uh, and then Pat and his team, they basically, every Monday, they minister to those individuals. They, they give them some coffee. They give them a warm place to come in and, but they give them some, some, Food and they also get to share the gospel with them. Uh, we also have our um, our uh, benevolence program that that also feeds the homeless um, a couple times a month. Um, some of our volunteers will will 
prepare food or purchase food, and we just open up our NPR room for them to come and have a place where they can share a meal and get fed. And it is truly a great ministry just to see the body. It's not the pastors. I know Pat's there, and there's a couple other that are, uh, others that are there. But generally, it's you. It's you coming in and you supporting and, and speaking the truth to these individuals, and it is a true blessing. Uh, we do counseling, not only internally at Cornerstone for, like, premarital uh, we do marriage counseling, parenting counseling. Uh, we do grief counseling, one-on-one counseling. There's a lot that goes on here at Cornerstone that probably a lot of you are unaware of. And I know some of you have participated in that. But it's a true blessing for us to be able to even provide that uh, service, not only to our body, but also people that will come in looking for um, just some type of counseling to get them on track. Or, or they don't know the Lord, but they're willing to, to be open to that. Or, or they have the Lord speaking to them some way where they want and they know they need to have um, God's love in their heart. So we open that up for them as well. And then also there's a ton of other things and areas that we use our church. Um, and I want to go through that list of, of those. We do, there's homeschool meetings and training and testing that goes on here. So we open up our classrooms on a week. That, if you come in during the week, rooms 1 through 12 are packed with students and different things that are going on. Uh, first five is a family support and training and education. Uh, they come in a couple times a week, and they provide that, that, that training for families and, uh, and single mothers. Boys and girls uh, scout, or scout meetings happen here. Uh, we do Life Impact and Forever Found, that we're allowing them to use those ministries to use one of our suites up on the Tapo building just so that they can be, have a presence here in Simi Valley and out in this area. Um, we support the local schools. We have uh, the, the school choirs, sport team banquets, um, honors banquets, all different things. We, are, we always open up this facility for use for, for those schools. And it's a great opportunity. Not only is our ministries, our student ministries on campus, but we're now having a voice and we're able to speak into those schools as well by, by just sharing our facility with them. Um, we have various professional meetings that go on here. Matter of fact, uh, last year and this year, we offered our facility for the Harvest Crusades only for them to be able to have a place where they could bring in um, other people that they were going to train to be counselors. So they used our facility as a, as a point in Ventura County uh, to train up those individuals. We open up, um, and we're somewhat selective of it, but we do open up our facility for film crews. So we have a lot of times that they'll want to film in some of the different areas, especially over at Skate Lab. And uh, we allow them to use our facility, especially our parking lot, to park cars, trailers, and things like that. But it's been a great witness for the owners of Skate Lab to, to know that they can depend on us and that we will support them and allow them to use the facility. Uh, we have other churches that come in and want to use the size of our sanctuary, and we're open to allow them to use that uh, as well. And then uh, one of the other things that, uh, that we do do is we, we're building relationships with a lot of these local uh, businesses where we allow them to park their cars during the week. So a lot of the businesses on the, on the other side of the church over there, they actually, their, their staff park their cars inside of our parking lot, and we're open to allowing them to do that as well. Um, you know, God doesn't want us to only display him to our local community, but Jesus' minish, mission to his followers uh, was to be a witness to the ends of the earth. And in Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness uh, my witness in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we are, not only were the apostles called to be those witnesses, but we are called to be those witnesses. And we do that. You guys help do that when you contribute to Cornerstone, when you participate in the ministries that we have. And um, what's interesting is that not only do we, um, we support locally, we don't want to focus just on what happens at Cornerstone. We have a lot going on outside of the walls of this church. And uh, I'm going to mention a few of those as well. And one of them is Eternity Bible College. You know, they, they are training and equipping uh, men and women to go out and be disciples, to be missionaries, to be pastors, uh, leaders, and actually to go out and spread the gospel. So we're very open to allowing them to use our facility. And we are actually a, a, a partner of theirs as well with that. And I want, to, I want to also show you outside of these walls some of the things that Cornerstone has done as a church body. And I want to go through and kind of list off just our church plants. So, Cornerstone Moore Park, Cornerstone West L.A., the Hollywood Church, the Common Church in South L.A. and Long Beach, Cornerstone Castle Rock, Colorado, the Pursuit in Idaho, uh, Cornerstone, um, in, in Cornerstone, Ohio, Cornerstone Rockwell, Texas, Colossae Church in Oregon, and most recently, Cornerstone South L.A. So, man, it, it is such a blessing to see how 
the gospel is spread out. And then from Cornerstone, we see how outside of these walls, the, the gospel and the ministry um, goes out. So we're going to share some of that. Uh, if you guys focus your attention to the screens, we're going we're gonna to look or hear about what God's doing outside of these walls as well. Thanks. Many weeks we get to see and hear about individual organizations or families who are traveling to this place or that island to share the gospel. But did you know that God has allowed us to have an influence around the entire globe? That Cornerstone Church supports several dozen missionaries and organizations to impact some of the least reached areas all over the world? Like in Central and South America, we, as a church, support two missionaries and an organization called Roca de Ayuda in Guatemala. Roca de Ayuda has many different programs to meet the unique needs of the people of Guatemala, including feeding an average of 110 kids daily, offering elementary schooling, and teaching mothers how to earn a living through cooking. And in Asia, we support four missionaries and one organization. In Africa, five cornerstone missionaries and two organizations span that continent. The Zalikis in Ethiopia are committed to spreading the gospel by caring for those infected with mossy foot, taking part in home visitation of over 1,300 patients in a two-month time span. Pastor Zaudi and his wife Amanesh ensure that those ostracized individuals know the love of Christ through meeting both spiritual and physical needs. And in a region with the most unreached people groups, the Pacific Islands, Cornerstone supports a total of nine missionaries. In Europe, we support two missionaries in one organization. And in our own backyard, we support four missionaries and ten organizations. Just over the hill from us in Oxnard, we support the Rescue Mission Alliance, who through this partnership are able to offer meals, shelter, and clothing the homeless and hungry, as well as various biblically-based recovery programs. God has allowed Cornerstone to impact the world in great ways for His good news, but we still have a long way to go. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Get involved with our global ministry efforts by supporting and praying for these individuals and organizations. For more information, please visit cornerstonesemi.com slash special slash global. Amen. Have a quick seat. How's everybody? Good? I'll tell you what, like I, I mean this, gosh, I love this church. Gosh, I love this church. I, every time, though I just, this one say, let me talk. Gosh, I just, in the midst of an economic downturn, in the midst of your founding pastor going and planting a church somewhere else, in the midst of all this, we're good. God is so good to us. Gosh. And I never want to be that spoiled kid. You know that kid that's like, oh, I want more. You kidding me? We have exactly what we need. I love every person that's here. I love the fact that we have this passion to see Jesus bragged about. If you haven't caught the theme of it, is that the whole goal of our giving has everything to do with just Jesus would be bragged about. See, in the Bible, it actually talks about, did you know you're supposed to brag? Seriously. It calls you to brag, but to brag about Jesus. That's the one thing it's okay to brag about, right? It's kind of weird for you to say, oh, I'm so wonderful, because everybody looks at you and goes, no, you're not. But when you say Jesus is wonderful, it should just shut us all up and just go praise God. See, that's God the Father's desire. When he sent his son to the earth, that was the promise that he had, is that ultimately he wants to lift his son up because it says at the very end of it, whether or not you believe in Jesus or not in this life, you will acknowledge and you will brag about how good Jesus is. And my heart is that Cornerstone is a church that calls people to brag now because you don't want to have to brag later in the way that he calls you to when you bend your knee. 
See, that's what we're, trying, we're seeking to be about, is that in our neighborhood, we want, in our neighborhoods in Simi, we want our neighborhoods to just be saturated with people that brag about Jesus. And we're joining with the 40, 50 other churches in, in Simi Valley with that heart. We just want neighborhoods, we want our schools to be saturated with the praise of Jesus. Everyone always says, oh, you can't. Why? Do you realize how low of a view of God that is? I believe Jesus is powerful. I believe if God wanted to, like in the book of Jonah, he could cause repentance of a whole city. And so that's what we're about. We're desiring that ultimately what would happen is that Jesus would be bragged about. And I don't know if you guys remember it, but last fall, I was teaching through the churches of Revelation. And we got to that point where we talked about Pastor Yusuf and how he was thrown in jail in Iran. Well, I'm no, just no, no, not everybody knows yet. Yesterday or the day before, I can't tell time differences. To save face, they released Pastor Yusuf. The thing we don't understand is we think we're going to humble Iran with military might. And I believe underneath all of the framework of the country of Iran is groups of people called Christians that have the capacity to shake that country to its core. And that's what we did. We were simple people, right? Like, I can't, I can't go to Ahmadinejad and go, let my people go. <laughs> He's going to say, I don't know you. <laughs> but we could just cry out to the king. Our daddy. And so that's what we did, right? We just cried out to our daddy and said, Daddy, you love your son Yusuf just as much as you do us. And so, Daddy, if you call him to walk the path of being killed, we believe it's for your glory, for Jesus to be glorified. If you allow him to get out of prison, they're not going to mess with him now, are they? (laughs) Isn't that just awesome? But that can't quit our praying because that is the whole goal. And even when we come to something about giving, And one of the things that I think that is so interesting is is the thing that we don't like to talk about the most inside of church is giving. And I think the reason we don't like to talk about giving is because we misunderstand giving. At the core of giving is the same thing as everything else that Jesus would be bragged about. That's the whole goal. Anytime it talks about money is that God desires that as we give him our resources, which, by the way, aren't our resources anyways, if you somehow think you made your money, I'm not trying to be Barack Obama here, but you didn't make your money. (laughs) The government didn't give you your money. God gave you your money. Right now, don't clap yet. All I mean by that is, is that means everything you have is a testimony that should just brag about God everything. That means all of us that woke up, generally we woke up, we took a shower. How many of you just sat in your shower this morning and went, no way, God. I got warm water coming down on me. Thank you. More than likely, you just went, yeah, right? (laughs) Everything created is meant to be used to brag about God. So even our resources that God gives us The heart is is that as we use them, that Jesus would be bragged about. So do you need a place to live? Of course you need a place to live. Do you need food? Of course you need food. Do you need to take your wife out on a great date? Of course you need to take your wife out on a great date. (laughs) I do counseling for your husband, wherever he's at. (laughs) But we don't use our money Just for ourselves, we use our money to find most joy. And I believe those of us in here that are Christians, that have the Holy Spirit, you know this, and you know what I'm about to say is true. We find most joy when Jesus is bragged about, don't we? There's just something about hearing Jesus bragged about. I was sitting at Cornerstone uh, uh, West, a.k.a. Panera, and... um, Behind me, I don't even know who they were, but this guy is just bragging about what Jesus was doing in his life. And I just wanted to, I wanted right there just to turn around and go, can I, can I join you guys? <laughs> you know, it's just, why? Because as Christians, we just, we love it when Jesus gets lifted up. 
And so in our giving, you'll see this throughout the Bible, that sometimes we give to meet the needs of those that we minister to within us. So like Acts 6 shows how we need to take care of widows, how we take care of orphans, how we even, it even expands as you go throughout the early church and how the church then just started to take care of the needs that they needed to be able to even meet. Eventually, they needed a building to meet in. And so they, they understood that, look, we need to use our money in such a way that we're able to meet our needs. But again, it's to meet our needs so that we can brag about Jesus. They even realized, and Paul wrote about this, like in 1 Corinthians 9 and in also in 1 Timothy 5, he called pastors ox. Can you believe that? Do I look like an ox? Thank you. But I'm on the edge. Now, but there's this side of it, though, where he said, you know what, you need to take care of these certain people within your church because they are going to uniquely meet the needs of the body in a special way. Why? So that Jesus can be bragged about. He said even the way you take care of the poor, not only here, but even the passage we're going to go to today in 2 Corinthians 9, you can go ahead and open your Bibles there. But in 2 Corinthians 9, the whole heart of it is, is even the way we take care of the poor, at the very end of it, whether they're in the United States, which there are hardly any poor people in the United States. And if you don't believe me, take a trip outside of the United States, then you will understand poor. But all around the world, we're to help our brothers and sisters in Christ that don't have. Why? Because we want people to brag about Jesus. The goal of evangelism is not conversion. The goal of evangelism is good bragging. That's why we share Christ. Because we want more people to share about who Jesus is. We want all over in this world to be saturated. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, and I just want to show you this and what he does. And I'll just make some quick commentary as we go through this because I don't have a lot of time this morning. But here's the passage. He just says, look, the point is this. He's, he's asked them for some money to, to give to the church in Jerusalem that was struggling. He says, look, whoever sows sparingly, whoever gives holding back, will also reap in such a way that you, it's held back. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, Paul wasn't talking about the fact that, hey, give me your $19.99 today and I'll give you a prayer cloth, right? And everything will be great and you'll get rich. Second Corinthians, he just said, my life, I've been beaten. I don't have a home. I don't have anything. In other words, he's not talking about health and wealth here. He's talking about something so much bigger, which he's going to tell us about later. He's, he's citing Deuteronomy 15.10, which is just this way in which we as Christians are supposed to take care of the poor among us, specifically the body. And not only are here, but he's, he's making an argument for the Christians that were in Jerusalem. So in other words, they weren't in Corinth, they were on the other side of the Roman Empire. He said not only that, but each one must, must give as he's decided in his heart. Oh, I'm supposed to actually think about my giving? Yes. Did you know you're actually supposed to sit down and think about how you spend your money? Because if you spend your money, when's the last time you sat there and went, man, is this going to cause people to brag about Jesus? Have you thought about that? He says, I want you to sit down and I want you to think about your giving. And not only that, but he says this, not only do I want you to think about it, I don't want you to give reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Man, he just loves it when his people go, go on with yourself, brag about Jesus here. Take my money. Go. He loves it when we don't sit there and go, oh my gosh, I could use this another way. He wants us to think about it because at the end of it, when we give it to him, he just wants us to find joy in it. See, the thing that the book of John has done that's just wrecked my world is that it has this whole concept that when we see Jesus accurately and we believe in him, we see him as as wonderfully as he is, we have life. See, I don't want when the baskets to come around for you to feel like this is something that I have to do every month with my paycheck. What I want instead is for you to realize when you look at that check or that money you give, Jesus is going to be bragged about. 
I want you to give, just no, no way. I, don't, I might not even ever see it, but Jesus will be bragged about. We talked about counseling within Cornerstone. Most of you don't know it, but on a daily basis, we are counseling people that lives do not brag about Jesus. And our goal in counseling is to come in via the role of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Why? So that their lives brag about Jesus. We want more lives to brag about Jesus. Why do we evangelize? Because we want more lives to brag about Jesus. And so he uses Proverbs 22 and he just says, no, it has to come from a changed heart. I've got to realize that my heart has to be changed. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. What? You mean when I give, I actually then, God gives back to me? So God gives me what to give and then he gives more to me? So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may just go crazy and abound in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. In other words, the means by which he cares for the poor within his church, both here and around the world, is that the kids care for him. I mean, you know this. If your brother or sister was hurting, you would help them monetarily. But sometimes I don't think we believe we have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. We're to share with them in that kind of a way. Why? Because we're such good people? No. But because we've seen God has changed our heart and we want more people to brag. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, man, he will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of righteousness. The harvest of righteousness being, in other words, not only now will this be used for more people to express praise to God, but more people and more people. That's the harvest we get, not more money and more cars and more things. We get to see more people brag about Jesus. Not only that, he says, verse 11, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. There's the key. That in this way now, as you are generous, as you take your money and you give, he's not asking him for more stuff. He's saying, don't you get it? There will be more thanksgiving to God, more bragging. For the ministry of the service, verse 12, is not only for supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in, thanks, in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of their service, They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. In other words, there will be no way. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ that aren't here. And it says, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace upon God, it will increase their affections for us. It will be based on grace, not because of works. And then Paul just says, no way, thanks be to the inexpressible, for God's inexpressible gift. Paul's just blown away. Now I say all those things for this reason. I want Cornerstone to have life. The life that Jesus promised in chapter 10 where he said, when I came to give life, I came to give life and life abundantly. See, the reason that And to to my shame, oftentimes, I'm afraid to talk about giving is that I don't understand as often as I should is that by actually calling you to give, trust me, the pastors aren't going to make more money. None of us have Maseratis. We're eating well. We love how we're taken care of by by our church. The reason that I need to not be ashamed to call our church to give It's because it leads to more bragging about Jesus. And that's why I don't stand in front of you today with absolutely no shame to say, you know what, this year, let's have more life. Let's give more. Not because we're going to pat ourselves on the back. No, that's not it. Let's give more so that more can be bragged about with Jesus. Let's figure out ways how to. And I get it. Some of you have gotten yourselves into some difficult financial situations. I understand that. But you know what? The goal then of getting out of a poor, difficult situation, don't just get out of it to make your life easier. Get out of it so that in getting out of it, God can use you and your money and all your resource and whatever else so that more bragging is brought about for Jesus. See, that's what Paul's after here. And so with it, at the end of it, when he says down and just says, ah, praise God, I think what it comes down to that's key is, is that our view of God is huge in this. Do you believe God wants to use Cornerstone 
to cause bragging about his son. Do you? Do you believe he wants to use you? See, at the end of the day, that's what Cornerstone is about. It's about Jesus. I promise you, by God's grace, that as long as I'm one of the elders and the other elders are here, the outcome will never be just money for money's sake, but money for bragging's sake about Jesus. I promise you the way that we handle money, we just got our our newest uh, audit back. I love the fact that Cornerstone has always handled money well. Man, what Ron Wilson and those guys started a bunch of years ago, we're indebted to them. But we use it well, not just to go, good job. We use it well because we want that money maximized in such a way that people brag about Jesus. If you haven't caught my point yet, (laughs) that's what it's about. The other thing that I was thinking about, just as I quit here, I want nothing more than to come back next year and tell new stories of Jesus' fame. Because I don't believe our only resource is money. You all out here are the greatest resource the church has. You are way more important than your money. You're endowed with the Holy Spirit given power beyond anything you can imagine. And so by the grace of God, I pray that God will allow us to be able to shepherd all of you into greater and newer ministry. Amen? So let me finish how I started. I love this church. I hope you all love each other because we're stuck together. Amen? Let's stand up. Let's pray. Jesus, you don't need our money. We know that. We're not naive. But God, for some reason, you've blessed us as a church to be a blessing. And I just pray we continue to be that. God, I pray Cornerstone isn't a church that we just give money because we feel like we have to. But God, instead, I pray that we would learn how to give more so that we might instead see more bragging about Jesus so there might be more joy in our life. That God, we wouldn't give out of even awkward gratitude. We'd give expecting you to cause more bragging to happen. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would do that in our people's lives. I pray that everyone in here in this room right now, the Holy Spirit would just speak into their spirit in such a way that just challenging them and causing them to think about true joy versus the temporary joy of this world. And that, God, as they look at their money, they would honestly think and ask the question, how do we bring most bragging to Jesus? That, God, it wouldn't get legalistic or ascetic. Man, I don't want it to be people somehow beating themselves up over their money. That's so stupid. But, God, instead, I just want joyful, cheerful givers like you do. God, I would love it if sometimes we take an offering and people clap because we got to give, because we know in giving, you're going to give us so much more in return. Just surprise us, God, I beg you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.